Hey gang, it's time for a real ad. Darn Tough makes premium merino socks engineered from nearly 40 years of experience at their mill in Northfield, Vermont, and made without any Russian interference. Darn Tough socks are unconditionally guaranteed to be the most comfortable, durable, best-fitting socks you've ever owned. Use promo code CONVERGE at checkout for 20% off your first order at darntough.com. Hello and welcome to Converge, a tech podcast and a summer fling all rolled into one. My name is Casey Newton. I'm Silicon Valley editor of The Verge. And today on the show, you'd better buckle up, gang, because we're talking to Taggart Matisson, head of product for autonomous driving at Lyft. You know, we like to have fun here on Converge, and sometimes that means making fun of Silicon Valley's excesses, the Juiceros, the blockchains, the scooters. But there is at least one technology out there that I think, uh, at least when it's fully baked, is going to have a sincerely positive impact on the world, and that's self-driving cars. Real talk, in 2016, 37,461 Americans died in motor vehicle accidents. My guess is you probably know at least one person uh, who has died in a car accident. And the promise of autonomous vehicles is that we can slash that number down to a tiny fraction of what it is today. So I get excited about that. You know, when it comes to Lyft, Lyft was not the first company to get in the game of uh, autonomous driving. In fact, all of the self-driving cars I've ever taken a ride in and it's been three if you're scoring at home. Those cars were made by Google's X division, which eventually spun out into a separate business that is now called Waymo. And you may have read that last year, Waymo signed a deal with Lyft to collaborate on bringing self-driving cars to the market. They're sharing technology. And Taggart Matisson is leading uh, Lyft's efforts to make that a reality. Look, I know it is easy to overhype self-driving cars. Even the most bullish industry people will tell you that fully self-driving cars are at least several years away and maybe many more than that. But it's also true that they're making real progress. You know, on the show, you're going to hear Taggart talk about Lyft's deal with a company called Aptiv, which produces its own self-driving technology. So it's a wild time for autonomous driving, and I was happy to meet Taggart for the first time and hear what's on his mind. I hope you enjoy it. And with that, it is time to play... Converge. It's time for another game of Converge. Each week, we bring on some of Silicon Valley's most fascinating personalities, and they compete to see how high they can go on the all-time Converge leaderboard. My guest today is Taggart Matisson, head of product at Lyft. Taggart is focused on autonomous driving and is working to bring a fleet of self-driving Lyft cars to the market. Taggart are you prepared to navigate yourself through the mean streets of Converge? I think I am. Great. Well, let's see. Converge, of course, consists of three rounds, the big idea, the interview round, and the wild card round, and it's time to get started. The first game we play on every episode of Converge is the big idea. Taggart, I asked you ahead of time to bring me your biggest and best idea of a non-self-promotional nature, and we pick it apart to see what's inside. Points are awarded on the basis of originality, presentation, profit potential, and whether I personally agree with it. So Taggart, what's your big idea? My big idea is mint for your house. Mint for your house. Just just let it soak in. Well, first of all, tell us which mint you're talking about. So yes, that's that's a very good question. It's it's not a flavor. Uh, <laughs> so mint in terms of the personal finance site. So aggregation. I, I think of it today. I use mint um, to aggregate bank accounts, credit cards, 
anything that relates to just kind of my my financial life. It's like a single place. You go there. Yeah. It has all of your accounts. Gives you a very high level view, but also a really granular view, right? Of right, anything going right. on with your money. Right. But it's just like this holistic view. And it's nice because I can track it. I can do alerts. And it's kind of cool because they also have cross-sell, upsell. So if you have a certain savings percent in a checking account or savings account, you know, it might, it might highlight, hey, take a look at this bank or another bank. Anyways, it's pretty cool. Yeah. I own a house. And as part of that, it's a bit of a pain. And, you know, recently I've had a couple of issues. One, I've had to replace some windows. Uh, turns out the pump in the washing machine kind of went south. Yikes. Thanks, thanks to my kids and Legos. Uh, <laughs> and there's a whole host of things that my my our my neighbors yesterday. They're like, "Oh, hey, we're replacing our roof." I'm like, "Roof? What? When? When do you need to replace that?" And so I, it just kind of got me thinking. Well, wait a minute. I'd love to have a single view of my house in terms of like appliances and uh, you know the the length that you've had your roof to windows to care. And, and how do I go from this like reactive world that I feel like I'm in every day to a proactive one? And I think there's like two phases of, of this mint for your house. The first phase is to, to have this all aggregated up. And so then I get like a monthly, hey, you might want to service this or get your, I don't know, chimney cleaned. Right. Or maybe you should get your windows validated or checked because then you don't you know need to go ahead and replace them like I, I just did, which is quite painful. But where it gets really cool, and this gets kind of in the world of self-driving, is uh, today with, with cameras and phones is you can actually do this thing called SLAM, which is kind of a nerdy term of simultaneous localization and mapping, which basically means you're walking around with a phone and it starts to map your house. And what would be cool is I'd love to just get all the dimensions of my rooms without actually having to type it. So not only do I have my appliances and like how long my, I've had my roof and everything else and people can cross sell or upsell me, but now I actually have images of my house, like not only the map of it, but with the cameras and the resolution that you have, you can see your your walls, the couches, or whatever you have. And then instead of me going to like a room and board and looking at a at a couch, which is always in like the most pristine, beautiful environment, you're like, wow, that's really cool. It looks nothing like my place. You could then like bring that couch in and see how it looks, or maybe it's art. So the whole point of this is how do I get this like digital representation of my house, both an aggregate view as it relates to the services that I need to, to be in this like proactive maintenance, as well as I think a better way to, to look at services or, or furniture or objects that I may want to bring into the house. Right. So it starts out as um, like a way to make sure that you're on top of all of your maintenance and it evolves over time into an e-commerce business to sell you yeah. a bunch of new furniture. Yeah. yeah. All, all in one app. Well, listen, uh, I like this idea. I did something last year when I moved into a new place called Modzi, and what they do is let you take uh, photos of the interior of your house and then place objects into the home via virtual reality. It works out really well. It's essentially like a very cheap way of getting an interior designer to sort of make some suggestions, but that's a pure e-commerce business. What's interesting about what you're talking about is, as a homeowner, you sort of like you have no way of knowing what you don't know about your house, right? You're sort of always in this position of just waiting for something to break. And so why is it tech helping you to figure that out? How, how do you start a product like this? Like, do you make your customers fill out a questionnaire about how old is your roof? How old is your windows? Or, or how do you start gathering some of the data? Because Mint has it easy, right? Because I just like plug in my Chase credentials right. and all of a sudden they know how much money I have. Right, right. Well, hopefully you can do something with the camera and object recognition. Uh, I can take a picture of a washing machine and it will notice the brand, maybe even grab the serial number at front. But yeah, I think you need to make it somewhat playful 
And at the same time, people need to be able to derive value pretty quickly out of it. Otherwise, it's like, okay, I just spent 30 minutes and now I've got a refrigerator and, uh, you know, a, a washing machine on a website. I have no idea what value I'm going to extract from this. It also seems like this app, uh, like the first thing it would ever do for you is just give you terrible news. Right? <laughs> it's like, hey, congratulations on your house. You actually do need to buy a new roof. Yeah, it's kind of uh, like surfing WebMD when you're a cop. <laughs> yes, It's exactly. always the worst. <laughs> So it's really like WebMD for your house uh, that eventually maybe helps you buy a better couch. Yes, now you're convincing me this is a terrible idea. <laughs> no, that's not what I meant to do. Because I, I like this idea myself. Uh, you know, I, I rent uh, my place like many you know people here in San Francisco. Um, but there are things that I would like to know about the house. Like, you know, uh, how much time do I have left on the lights that are installed, right? Mm-hmm. Should I maybe pick some lights up like within the next six months or, uh, or something like that? Um, or yeah, just- I, re- I replace lights quite a bit. And so it should probably flag that there's nothing wrong with the lights. It may be that your electrical system may, may need some help. Sure, sure. Or, or maybe even just like, help, you know, I, I realize that, you know, people's um, electrical utilities have some sort of tools that help people see uh, how much their energy usage mm. has varied over time. But that to me seems like the perfect kind of thing you would want to have in a product like this, right? Because I don't want to go log into, you know, PG&E here in, in Northern California to see what my energy usage is. I'd rather just sort of open up my my house app and it would say, oh, hey, by the way, like you've used a crazy amount of energy this month. Yeah. And there with the login, that's easy. That's just username, password, plug yes. in PG&E. So there may actually be some things where you could grab data pretty easily uh, and you wouldn't have to rely on a camera figuring out how old a roof is, <laughs> which, yeah. which maybe it can do, but I don't know. Maybe it can't. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. That's, I'm, I'm not an expert in, in roofs. Right. But you do. I mean, you must think a lot about um, how good are cameras and machine learning at evaluating various criteria. I mean, I guess when you're building a self-driving car, you're not concerned with like how old are these roads. But, you know, my guess is that there probably is some sort of training set of data out there somewhere that would help you understand like the age of wood, for example. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Have you given any thought to the name of this uh, this particular company that you're proposing? No, but I guess I can't use Mint and House together because then it'd be Mouse, and that probably doesn't help. Although it does give you like a very cute logo right off the bat. What about Lint? I don't know why I just came with Lint. <laughs> I sh- I, my inner monologue has lost me. But uh, <laughs> so so Lint, you you, have, you get Lint, and it it accumulates in the dryer, and if you don't do anything about it. Right, I'm trying to sell myself on this as well as you. So yes, it's it's lint. I like that. And would it be would it be L Y N T? No, no, no. I, I think that's taken already. Oh. <laughs> well, that's a shame. It seems like that URL would be more avail- available than lint.com. Probably, but yes. if you do own lint.com or L Y N T.com, uh, get in touch because I, I feel like Taggart <laughs> could be on to a winner here. So that brings us to the end of the big idea round. Now it is time to score you. On originality, when it comes to creating a mint for the house, I do think this is uh, an original idea. It's something that I think has a lot of potential. The only part that didn't seem quite original to me was using the camera to sort of figure out the dimensions of the house and use it to place furniture. I I know that that product exists out there. So I'm gonna give it a solid six. Present, I know, listen, you you should see the face Tagger just made at me. One thing we've learned about this game, people get very competitive, but I also get emails telling me that I'm too easy on people. So it's always a balance I'm trying to strike over here. That brings us to presentation. Well, here's the good news. I thought it was an excellent presentation. It was a truly surprising idea and it was really fun to talk about. So I'm gonna give you an eight there. Profit potential. Here's where it's very good news. 
look, I, you know, I don't want to criticize any previous guests, but some people come in here with ideas you could not make money off of if you tried. Uh, last week, we had someone bring in a nonprofit idea. It, needless to say, it was this was a tough score for them. But when it comes to profit potential, I mean, you propose an e-commerce business related to the home category, which is huge. So I'm giving you a nine on that. And then finally, do I personally agree with it? Yes, I would love this for the house that I live in right now. So I'm giving you a 10. Now it's time to total up the score. 33 points, an excellent start to this round of Converge, and it is time for the interview round. The round where you attempt to charm our listeners in a way that burnishes your personal brand and improves your standing as a thought leader. Uh, Now, you work at Lyft, and many companies are now working on autonomous vehicles, so tell us, what is the current state of the art at Lyft, and uh, maybe what advantages do you think that you guys have over uh, a Tesla or an Uber? Uh, So I'll start with where I think Lyft shines. Uh, We're the fastest growing rideshare service in the US. We're 35% market share. We now cover all 50 states, and I think there's something like 95% of the US population has access to our service. So we'll, we'll start there. I, Lyft is, I've been there for three years. It's been an amazing ride. Uh, the, conti- the company continues to grow. Uh, really excited about the, you know, the app in terms of what we provide both to our passengers and our drivers. Now, getting to autonomous, like how does this tie in? Well, I think that's really the, the interesting piece. If you look at some of these other programs that are building these self-driving cars, the question is where are these cars going? And what markets are they focusing on? What areas will these cars need to navigate? And I think that when you think of self-driving as just a general category, that's actually quite difficult. And so here's, here's the cool point. We actually know where these cars are going to go. We already have a thriving rideshare business, and we already know the start and end of all of these rides. And so our focus is very much of how do we leverage the fact that we already have this transportation as a service. We already know um, the routes in the cities that are that are critical, and that's really where we're focusing our self-driving efforts. So once you have the self-driving cars, you you know how to deploy them because you've already seen where the demand is going to be for the most part. Well, that's and that's one of the the, the biggest challenges for deploying a car is is really understanding the environment. And it's not just a static environment. It's not just knowing the road network. It's also understanding kind of the dynamic aspects of it. So how often do you see a pedestrian? How often do you see an electric scooter, which happens to be the case in San Francisco? And really getting a sense of the types of of objects and scenarios that you're going to have to overcome. You're starting to answer my question because the thought that I had when you were sort of uh, explaining this as an advantage, which, and I say this as someone with no technical expertise and frankly very little expertise in anything, but what you described sort of sounds like the easy part to me, right? Having a map of, okay, uh, turns out a lot of people drive down Market Street. You know, maybe not the most difficult thing to figure out compared to how do you get a car to drive itself, right? But what you're saying is that because of the routes that your cars are taking, you are seeing the sort of things that you need to build a system that can safely navigate through the world. Right, and that's one of the hardest problems of building a self-driven car is the, the problem you never accounted for. Right? Like that's, that's, the, that's the challenge. And so the more you know about your environment, the more scenarios and simulations that you can do to validate that your system can in fact navigate 
that that area. So this is a really interesting question. I had a chance for the past about three years to take a ride in a self-driving car. All of these were built what at the time was uh, by Google X, uh, which is now Waymo. And first of all, it's an incredibly fun thing to do. I wish every single person could take a ride in a self-driving car. Like you will never feel like you're living further in the future than when you're sitting in a self-driving car. Two, it was incredibly safe. Obviously, you know, Google knew they had journalists in the car. They were going to take us on a pretty safe route. But you were it was sort of amazing how boring the experience was in, in the best possible way. Right. It's like you, you don't get in a self-driving car on a demo and it does a bunch of donuts in the parking lot. It's like, let's like safely navigate you around a block. Right. So all of that is good. And at the end of these rides, I would always say to the engineers, hey, that was perfect. Like, can this be available next month or, or the month after that? And they would always say the same thing, which is every day, every week, we see dozens of things we've never seen before, right? Objects, scenarios, situations. Is that still the case? Are we still kind of in that data collection phase of what does it look like to just drive a car in the world? I think we will be in that case for a long time. A lot of companies have collected a ton of data. And I'll give an example. Today, you can actually get into a self-driving car in Vegas with the Lyft platform. So we worked with Aptiv. Aptiv self-driving cars are on our network. So if you're at a hotel in Las Vegas, you can open up the app. And a little bit of a surprise and delight, if your drop-off is a uh, location that we can support with the Aptiv vehicles, you get matched, you get a little Charlie in the Chocolate Factory golden ticket, uh, and you, you are placed into one of these cars. Um, well, you're not physically placed. You, you <laughs> right. clearly open the you, door. You right. still have to open the door yes, to the yes. car. Let's, yeah. it, it's not that sci-fi. And so anyways, we've seen a ton of feedback from, from passengers really excited about this experience. Now, to, to be clear, there's still a, a safety driver um, and engineer in the car. It just, again, safety is, is paramount for all of this. But it's really fun for these passengers, and I've been in the cars as well, to just kind of watch the steering wheel and watch the car kind of do its thing. And you're right. The most boring ride is sometimes the most exciting one. Like, you don't want the Tokyo Drift going on. Like, that is not <laughs> right. that is not something that, that, that surprises and delights people. It's more of surprise and probably would, would freak them out. Although maybe eventually it could just be a setting, you know, like, I want the crazy ride. Yeah. That, that, know, still legal but, uh, you know, maybe right, that, go a little that, wild. That setting's like probably 2035. Okay. Um, that, that's a long way away. But yeah, I'll, to, I'll, I'll mark that in my calendar. To answer your, your, your question, I think it's going to be a long road ahead, no pun intended, in terms of collecting this data. I think you data. did intend the pun. I'm going to call did. bullshit yeah. on that. But, but it's but okay, but it's going to be a long, a long road. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be a long road. Yeah. Yeah. So at first, uh, Lyft signed partnership deals with companies like GM and, and Jaguar Land Rover to build self-driving technology. But then I believe it was last year that Lyft said it was going to build its own fleet of self-driving cars, right? Yeah. So in, in, in 2017, we started the process of what we call Level 5 now. And that is our own self-driving initiative. Now, we're not building the actual cars. What we're basically doing is you know, leveraging hardware and software that takes a vehicle today and makes it self-driving. Right. And how did you get to that decision of, of wanting to sort of build your own fleet? Two reasons. One, we already had a lot of the technology. And so mapping is critical to Lyft. If you think about our three-minute ETAs, there's a lot of science that goes into evaluating that. Um, and we also had an opportunity to kind of open up an office down in Palo Alto. We also had a few leads that have done this before. Uh, Luke Vincent, who was kind of the godfather for Street View, uh, joined Lyft and really kind of helped kick off this effort. And 
we, we just felt like we were in a perfect spot to do that. And since we already had the network and we were working with our partners, you can kind of think of like the Android play where Google also built the, the phone. And the idea here is rather than just create the network and work with partners, we can do more. And so you know, getting back to the data, as we collect more data, as we understand our environments more, are there things that we can do that can accelerate or help our, our partners' programs as well? Because again, we're not looking for a single group to win this war. We think this is more of a collective opportunity for us to help accelerate quite a few programs to then provide you know, self-driving to, to the masses. Right. There's a saying in the tech world that if you're serious about software, you should build your own hardware. And this sort of seems to me to be an example of that. Yes, except I, I wouldn't say we're doing all custom hardware. I think what it is is you've got a, a vehicle platform that already exists exists today, and then you can imagine off-the-shelf sensors. But we are, you know, doing a lot of software and potentially some hardware as well that it, that is custom. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. So uh, my colleague Andy Hawkins, who covers transportation for us, uh, wanted me to ask you whether Lyft had started closed course testing. First of all, what does that mean? Closed course testing would be what you would think. It's it's on a course that's closed. It's non-public. Um, and yes, we do have uh, GoMentum. So we use GoMentum. That's one of our tracks that we use to to do validation on our on our program and our software. So you have started that testing? Yes. All right. Interesting. That might be news. I'm going to have to check after we're done recording. But we always try to break a lot of news. It's not news is the information that I'm getting. All right. I'm going to keep trying. Um, <laughs> so, but, uh, but that must be uh, a milestone uh, to get to the point where you are running these sort of active tests. Although... If you're out in the real world, maybe being out uh, on the streets of Las Vegas is a, is a bigger milestone. I think it's a great milestone for our network. And again, that's you know I want to make sure everyone knows that it's it's Aptiv's vehicles and it's amazing tech. So that's like their big milestone on their capabilities. And then in level five, we've we've done a lot in 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 less than two years, and we have you know over 200 uh, employees down in Palo Alto working through this. We've got cars. We're doing tests. Um, you know, like I said, with in GoMentum. Uh, we're very excited with with the progress of that of that group. So, what's the next step? Like, what's the next big milestone? Where, like, when you hit that, your bosses are going to be really excited with you. The Besides mile, coming yeah. on this podcast, yes, well, check. Yeah. Right, we got that done. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, the the other one just really comes to capabilities of the vehicle. And so you can imagine, if you want a car driving itself, you have to slowly and surely evolve through that. One would be think of it as lane guidance. Then you could think of you know car following. These these technologies exist today in other you know vehicles. I, I mean you've seen like the adaptive cruise control. There's there's lane following as well. So these are all pieces of of capabilities that that we have been testing that we will continue to test. And you'd want to start to do that on public roads. And over time, you know you're going to add additional functionality that you're going to want to test. It could be uh, how you take turns to changing lanes to intersections. These are all things that to me are, are, are milestones that, um, you know, that this, this team is working on. Right. And so I think your CEO has said that he expects that uh, this service could be available in a, in a broader capacity by 2021. Is that still a target? Generally speaking, we want to be 2021 and beyond is, is where we're, we're targeting. I can't be exact on dates. Yeah. Um, I mean, even in the world of self-driving, no one's actually cracked it yet, right? Like we're still all looking at the problem. It hasn't been fully solved. And so that's that's the general line of sight, um, but it really depends on where the technology is. How much of it is a problem of not enough data has been collected versus a problem of we have to create actual technological breakthroughs? Um, that's 
I don't think it's known yet. I think it's a little bit of both. So data doesn't hurt, meaning I think we should continue to collect. And the more confidence that we have, the more miles, scenarios, um, you know, validations that, that people can do on the software, the better. And then I think in parallel, you want to continue to see improvements in, in technology, both on the hardware and software side. And if you think about it, like if you're a driver, we talk about the, the modes of, not the modes, but not, like the components of self-driving, you have perception, localization, path planning, uh, motion control, and all of these, you know, we could, we could continue to see some improvements. Like path planning is a great example of, of you or I taking a steering wheel of a car. There's a lot that we think about when we're driving. I'm, I'm already looking at the, the car in front of me. I'm you know, sometimes in the rearview mirror looking at the cars behind. I'm thinking about the behaviors of the drivers around me. I'm you know, all the time thinking about what's the optimal area for my car. Uh, how close should I be to the car in front of me, to what's happening on the side. All of this stuff needs to be programmatically you know, validated. And, and yes, they, you know, our, our team is doing it. Other teams are doing it. But I, I think to do this at scale, at this, you know, people talk about level five, that's, I, I, I still think we have years of advancements. Right. And level five, of course, means a fully autonomous vehicle that is making every decision. Yeah. Well, this, we probably don't have time in this podcast to talk about all of the, all of the levels. Um, but the, the big difference between a level four vehicle and a level five vehicle is a level five vehicle can drive autonomously in any condition. So it basically doesn't need a steering wheel. And there's, there's actually a really big distinction between that and level four. And that's also why I think it's really unique for Lyft with level four is because level four means it's autonomous within some defined domain. It's kind of like, like an operating domain. What does that mean? It means this car only operates, let's say, in this city or on these streets or in these conditions. It could be daytime. It could be nighttime. It could be only not during snow or, let's say, icy roads or some sort of condition. Where that becomes interesting for us is that, you know, we know the start and the end of the ride before it happens. It's kind of cool, right? Like you request a ride, we can look at it. We can look at the route that the car is going to take. We can look at the time of day. We can look at the traffic. We can look at the weather patterns. And then we can come up with a confidence score. Oh, you know what? Looks like this is an easy route for the vehicle. And so we'll dispatch a vehicle to you. But if for some reason something changes within that calculation, uh, we have our you know, traditional lifts as well. So you as a passenger will always get a ride. And we kind of have the luxury of evaluating all of this stuff before it even happens to slowly and surely um, move this technology along. That's an, it'll be interesting to me the first time I get like an autonomous vehicle shows up to pick me up and I will know that... Um wherever I'm going, this must be an easy route, right? Like that the, the computers have sort of said, yeah, like we've got this one. And then eventually, like if I start seeing a human come to pick me up, I'll think, wow, I'm like, I'm in uncharted territory here. Like the computers have never seen, you know, the situation where this person would go to a bar. At yeah, this, I, on this I don't night. think we're going to have the car letting you know, hey, this is a really easy route. Well, but no, that's what I'm saying. Because I interviewed you today, I will know. And then I'll be the annoying person that tells this to other people. Like, hey, you know, you know what it means if a Lyft driver shows up now? It means you are off the map. And, you, yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah. right. Seems kind of interesting. Or it could just be that all of the other cars are taken. But. Right. <laughs> all right. Let, enough about autonomous driving for a moment. I want to propose a feature request. And you may have heard this before, but I want to know how you think about it. 
look, I can be a chatty person. It's why I started a podcast. Every once in a while, I'll, I will order a lift rather early in the morning. Let's say I'm going to the airport like 5 a.m. and I don't want to chat. And, you know, sometimes the driver wants to, to chat and sort of ask me about my life story. Ha- have you ever, guys considered some sort of setting in the app where you're just able to say, you know what, I'm not feeling chatty today? Like a Zen mode. A Zen mode, if you will. Uh, we have we have thought about it. We what do you think about that? What do I personally yeah. think about it? I think it's it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, at some point, we may play around with that idea, but that's that's not unfortunately a feature at this point. Well, I mean, that is why it was a request. I know I know it doesn't exist. But, but think that, about it with an autonomous car, <laughs> right. right? So the the autonomous car is going to know a lot more. It's going to know your your temperature that you're going to want. It's probably also going to know that it's early in the morning, and so you know it's going to have maybe dark lit cabin lets you sleep maybe you can even relax and the the seat in the back will will extend into some sort of lie flat maybe not complete lie flat just based on the the area yeah but, but a good recline right it's gonna be it's gonna be incredibly luxurious uh, when this yes. time arrives but i would also like it if the car could be chatty sort of like kit in night rider style oh for and sure ask me the traditional questions of you know hey so uh how long have you lived in the city and what what do you do here where do you hey business or pleasure you know that could be thing. like being on a podcast <laughs> yes exactly a podcast that is never released or shared with anyone it's a mode it's a <laughs> mode yeah all right. The final, final question here. I, I know you work mostly on cars, um, but as you mentioned earlier, the world has recently become obsessed with electric scooters. And I believe Lyft has applied for a scooter permit here in San Francisco. Do you think Lyft will ever build its own e-scooters? Can't say anything about building our own e-scooters, but we have talked about scooters and bikes. And that absolutely is part of our mission. Uh, and we kind of see it as this perfect extension of what we do today really helps with the last mile, gives people more options. So I can't can't comment on how you build it, but I absolutely think that scooters and bikes are, are really part of our, our mission and how we kind of extend the, the value of our service. Interesting. All right, I'll take that as a yes. If you've heard that sound, it's time for the lightning round. All right, now in the lightning round, your job is to answer as many questions as you can in 60 seconds. You will earn a point for every question that you answer. You can pass on any question, but should you do so, you will not earn a point for that answer. Let's go ahead and put 60 seconds on the clock. What's the first car you ever drove? Rabbit. What's your Lyft passenger rating? Four point something. Have you ever given a driver one star? No. Hint water or LaCroix? Water. Have you ever ridden a scooter around San Francisco? No. Why not? Because I haven't had time to. What's something that should definitely be on the blockchain? My mom's passwords. What's the last show you finished on Netflix? Sharp Objects, although it's not finished yet. And actually that's on HBO. But oh, HBO, You Sorry. did answer the question, so we will allow it. When is Lyft gonna be available outside the US and Canada? No comment. What's the last good book you read? Dead Wake. Uh, is I actually read that last summer. Is Westworld a good show? First season, yes. Second season, no. That's the correct answer. Do you have a go-to Spotify playlist? Uh, my own. What is the future of media? And the time is over. I was going to say this. <laughs> That's a great answer. Unfortunately, it does not count. Nice try. Taggart, you scored 11 points in the lightning round. One of the higher scores we've seen, actually. So, well played. That brings us to the end of the lightning round. Coming up next, it's time for the wild card round. But first, these messages. Our show sponsor is Darn Tough Vermont Socks. They weren't sure about our laugh track either. 
But like any other early stage investment, they've got to take some risk if they want that sweet, sweet reward. Darn Tough makes premium merino socks at their mill in Northfield, Vermont. They're committed to doing one thing better than anyone else, making the world's most comfortable, durable, best-fitting socks. And they back this promise up with an unconditional lifetime guarantee. If you can wear out their socks, they'll replace them free of charge for life. Use promo code CONVERGE at checkout for 20% off your first order at darntuff.com. And if you have worn out their socks, I want to hear about it. Tweet at me. Tweet at me how you wore out a pair of socks. The world needs to know. Now we come to the wildcard round. In the wildcard, we reach into the Convergitron 5000 to play a game generated by some of the world's most sophisticated algorithms. Earlier today, we suggested passenger problems. Now, in passenger problems, Tiger, you will play the role of a Lyft driver who has just picked up a new passenger, me. Before you is a deck of cards with common problems that a passenger might discuss with you during your ride. Your job is to address my problem in a way that maximizes your chance of earning a coveted five-star rating. Your answers will be judged on originality effectiveness at solving my problem, and whether I would tip you after the ride. Then the tables will turn. I will become the driver, you will become the passenger, I will attempt to solve your problem, and you will evaluate me using the same criteria. We will play this game until I tire of it. Do you have any questions? No. Very well. I will now draw the first card. Taggart, you just dropped off a passenger in this lift line at my significant other's place, and now I'm very sad. So think about this situation. I'm in a lift line. There was another passenger. You just dropped them off at the place where, where my significant other is known to live. And I now, I don't know what this means for my relationship. I, I think you're fine. That's a large apartment building. Many people <laughs> get dropped off. In fact, I've had four people pick that drop off in the really? last hour. That's I think a good there's point. a party going on there. Oh, so you, so because you've been driving all day, you know that there's a party going on in this building. Yes. So it could be anything. It's a LaCroix party, actually. <laughs> that's, that's great. Shout out to LaCroix. All right. Well, I'm, I'm feeling much better about this. I guess I'll just text my significant other and uh, make sure they're not cheating on me. Very great. good. All right. Now you draw a card. I'm in a lift line on the way to my high school reunion with my high school nemesis, and we are wearing the exact same thing. Oh my gosh. Well, this is obviously a huge problem because I know how seriously you take fashion. I should tell you, you came dressed in black tie, which people almost never do to Thank these, you. these Thank recordings. You. It's kind of tight, though. Yeah, it's a little, little tight, but you're making it work. So... You know, I can understand why this would be very um, stressful for you. But look, I, you know, I don't know when your reunion starts, but if you'd like, I'd be happy to stop by the uh, Stone Town Galleria and maybe we could get you uh, a different uh, cummerbund or, or bow tie and, you know, maybe make you look uh, a little bit different so you weren't embarrassed. But I like my jean jacket. <laughs> well, and it is a beautiful jean jacket. You know, alternatively, uh, I could pull over and maybe we together we could somehow distress your jean jacket and give it a different look than the jean jacket that your high school nemesis is also wearing in this car. Here's what I want you to know. I'm willing to do anything to give you a different look to, you know, really stand apart here at this reunion. That works for me. <laughs> okay, fantastic. Moving on now. I present you with a passenger problem. Oh, I told you to drive me to the wrong airport on accident. 
Is this, by the way, this has actually happened to me. I once got to SFO and realized I was supposed to be flying out of Oakland. That's okay, no problem. We can just update your destination. Tell Wait. me what airport you'd like to go to. Wait, that's a, that's a feature of the app. It is actually a feature of the app. Wow. I You know, I don't know. I've only got like 50 minutes before my flight. Do you think we can make it to Oakland from SFO in, in time for me to get through security? Luckily, you are in a DeLorean. <laughs> that is, that is, that is right. And that's the nice thing about Lyft is you guys don't have to use, you know, the, the taxi cars of yore. You can right. use any this car you want. It has a flux like. capacitor and we can go back in time and I think I'm aging myself. No, uh, I, I think m many of our uh, our listeners will be familiar with the basic plot of Back to the Future. Uh, and if they're not, we'll include a full synopsis at the end of this show. All right, great. So we're going to try to make to Oakland. And if we don't, uh, you'll just hit, uh, I, I don't remember how many gigawatts, uh, but as soon as you do, um, we'll drive by the old clock tower and uh, right. make it to we'll, Oakland. We'll make it. We'll make it. Maybe even a couple days early. That's great. Wonderful. Now... It's time for you to give me a passenger problem. I have a little dog with me, and it won't stop barking. Oh my gosh. Well, that is very stressful. Um, you know, first of all, thank you for bringing your little dog into my car. As you can see, I put down these nice blankets all over the back seat, so, you know, don't worry about the fur, the shedding. Uh, totally cool by me. You know, something I found that dogs love is uh, you can roll down the windows and they stick their head out of the car and then they just kind of pant into the wind and that seems to have a, a calming effect. Is that something you'd be comfortable with? My, my dog is quite small and I'm nervous it may fall out. That's great. Well, that's why I've, uh, I've built a harness here uh, for, for dogs to kind of dangle safely out of the side of the car as we drive and, uh, you know, happy to, to strap her in and see how she enjoys it. She, she is not a fan of Velcro. Oh, all right. Well, um... And what's with all these cat pictures in your car? I guess I have to say I'm more of a cat person. Uh, we, we get more cats in the car than dogs. You know, look, if dangling the dog out of the car window doesn't seem like a good solution, uh, I'd be happy to give uh, her uh, a treat or perhaps a bottle of water. Can she drive the car? You know, we get that question a lot. And unfortunately, only licensed drivers. So, you know, if, she, if she's has a, a license, happy to look into it, but... Done. Done! All right! I was trying to be a tough passenger. I appreciate that, because listen, some passengers are tough. They can be exasperating. Uh, not me. I have a higher lift rating than you do. I have four-something. What do you really? have? Really? I'm like, uh, I'm actually five stars, because I got the email that was like, we're giving you a discount on your rides because you have a five-star rating. Oh. Yeah. So, and then I'm always like, ah, I'm like not using this benefit enough, because anyway. Separate story. All right. Problem for you, Taggart. The other passenger in this lift line put their conference call on speakerphone. Oh, I'm just thinking of a pain. Uh, this is perfect. So, what would you like to listen to on the radio? Probably just uh, something really heavy. Uh, heavy metal. Uh, metallic Metallica. Well, like, whatever the loudest Metallica is. I've got Rammstein. Rammstein would be fantastic. Great, I'm going to go ahead and turn that up to 11. Because I've been trying to learn German. Your name seems German. Yeah, the last name is Danish. Mm, the right. first name is like a Scottish last name, and don't get me started. All right, so you don't have any actual connection to Rammstein. I, I don't. I don't. In fact, I probably can only call out one of their songs. Probably do host. Yes. Yeah, yeah, great song, yes. though. You know, the other alternative is we could just also join the conference call. I, I, I think... 
you know, Susan on the other side has a great point about the calibration and what we need to deal with in this market. That's great. I've always felt like I could join any uh, conference call because uh, when somebody asked me for my opinion, I would just say, yeah, but how does it scale? And then I feel like that buys you like 30 minutes while people try to figure out, you know, how to answer that question. That was a very good answer. All right, I will now present you with a problem. I'm going to throw up. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've really landed ourselves in quite a pickle here. That, that would be awkward. Um, quickly, in the seat, in the seat pocket in front of you is a vomit bag mm-hmm. already prepped. Wow. And the window is already rolled down. Okay, real question. Is like, when you onboard a new Lyft driver, is like, do you suggest people have vomit bags? I, I don't think so. I, you know, I don't, I don't know why I'm so interested in this question. Actually, I do know why I'm interested in this question. Because when I think about, you know, driving for a ride-sharing service, like, this would actually be my, my biggest fear. Is that I would pick up somebody who maybe had too much to drink, and they threw up. So I think I would want to prepare for that, just because of, like, my own anxiety. Well, it is it is your car, so you yeah. can... And luckily, the car that you're in, I, I have saran wrap. Okay. So you you are, that little noise that you heard, it's just, it's just glad wrap. I don't know if this has ever happened to you. Sometimes I'll get in a lift, and there will be elaborate signage on the, the back seats that sort of lays out uh, a list of things that the driver would not like you to do. It's like, hey, uh, you know, no, uh, no beverages inside the car, and please, no food, and please, you know, don't put your feet up on the seats. And I always think... What happened in this car before I got into it? You know, like what epic action movie played out that led to the installation of these signs? Something, yeah. I I, I can't comment on that one. I actually haven't seen. No, maybe I'm not looking. Uh, I I, no, I I always enjoy it, and, and I want to say, by the way, very much the right of these drivers to you know ask people not to destroy their cars. Like they're they're that's the you know it's it's their livelihood. Yeah, absolutely, so it matters. All right, I think we're down to the final. Problem. All right. I'm in the same lift line as the cute person who ghosted me a month ago. Wow. That's, you know, that's that's a problem. You know, when you're you're dating someone and you're, you're excited about it and then they just stop responding to all of your text messages and your emails and your, your LinkedIn requests, uh, and now you're stuck right next to them. Um, you know, it sounds to me like we need, like I need to reduce the tension in the room. So I was thinking about playing some Rammstein. Mm. Uh, maybe Du Hast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My dog loves that. Is that okay? Great. You know, we can crank it loud, uh, maybe roll the windows down, and I think that could really reduce the awkwardness on what is hopefully a, a short ride. Uh, but, you know, if you want to get out early, just, like, message me in the app, and I'll be like, oh, looks like uh, time to I'll just get off. off the same time that they do. <laughs> just follow them to wherever they're going. That sounds unhealthy. Maybe don't do that. That brings us to the end of the wild card round, and it is now time to evaluate each other. Originality. Look, when you pulled out time travel as a potential solution, I did not see that coming. So I highly commend you for thinking outside the box. Uh, I think that is going to be the kind of thinking that will be necessary to build a fully autonomous self-driving fleet. So I'm giving you a nine there. Effectiveness in solving my problems. Well, I don't know that I had any problem that you truly couldn't solve. Um, And of course, that is partly because you turned to science fiction to solve some of my problems. So I'm going to go ahead and give you an eight there. And then finally, my tip. 
Listen, you seemed super motivated to resolve my concerns, and so I would absolutely tip you, and I'm just realizing I don't know if this should be a numerical score or not. I guess we will make it a numerical score. My likeliness to tip you on a scale of one to 10. I will give you a 10. So Tagger, I'm going to go ahead, tally this up. It's gonna be 27 points. And now I invite you to evaluate me do not feel the need to spare my feelings. Yeah, let's just make sure I see my score first. No, uh, <laughs> originality. I, I have to say that the jean jacket and getting out and kind of helping me change the, the color, the fabric, the look, the feel, brilliant. I'll, I'll give you a, a six. A six, great. <laughs> I'll give you a nine. I'm just kidding. Oh, okay. Effectiveness, you came quick with answers. I feel like in every situation, I it was solved. I, I'll give you a nine. <sighs> Excellent. And finally, your likeliness to tip me on a scale of one to ten. I don't tip. Okay, great. no, I'm kidding. I, it's like Mr. Pink from Reservoir Dogs. Uh, I absolutely, I will give you a. I'll do a ten. Wow, that is fantastic. I'll go ahead and tally up my score, and I uh, earned twenty-eight points. So I narrowly edged you out in the wild card round, but stay tuned because you participated in two rounds that I did not. So I will now tally up your final score. I scored 28 points this time around, and Taggart, you scored 71, which is an excellent score and places you near the top of the leaderboard on this season of Converge. That brings us to the end of today. Do you have any final words of wisdom uh, or inspiration that you would like to leave with our listeners around the world? Wow, deep thoughts right there. Uh, Be careful when you sign up for a podcast. Fantastic. Taggart, thank you for making content with me. Awesome. Thank you. It was fun. That's today's show. My thanks to guest Taggart Matisson. Taggart, do not be a braggart, for while you may have defeated me today, eventually autonomous game-playing technology will enable me to anticipate your every move, and then I'll run you right off the road, buddy. Thanks to my engineer, Jeremy Dalmas, and my editor, Andrew Marino. If you like today's show, hey, could you get 100,000 people to download it? That would really impress my bosses. In fact, there might be a job in it for you, so give it some consideration. How is the show going so far? I want to hear from you. We're 10 episodes in. This is a good time to weigh in. Email me, Casey at TheVerge.com. I'm Casey Newton on Twitter, and you can tweet about the show using the hashtag... Benghazi. If you want even more of me in your life, I write a daily newsletter about social networks and democracy. It's called The Interface, and you can find the link at my Twitter bio. And until the next time, the Convergatron 5000 is closed. Game over. Listen, no one likes the word moist. Hearing it, saying it, reading it, but it's especially uncomfortable to feel it between your toes during six hours of binging Westworld. That's why darn tough Vermont makes their socks from merino wool to keep you dry. The thing is, wool-yielding sheep have been ripping around mountains for 10,000 years, and they're straight covered in this stuff. It's the evolution of the most impressive naturally developed fiber the world has ever seen. Darn Tough Vermont has been perfecting socks in Northfield, Vermont for nearly 40 years, and they're so confident your new Darn Tough socks will be the most comfortable, durable, best-fitting sock you'll ever own that they'll guarantee every single pair. Unconditionally, for life! Whether you're running between Sand Hill Road meetings or crushing that Peloton ride, it's time to upgrade your sock drawer. Darn Tough Vermont is giving Converge listeners 20% off their first order at darntough.com with the offer code CONVERGE.